Many of us grow up to laugh off these dreams, but we do grow aware that there are indeed monsters <clears throat> and boogeymen that do indeed exist. I wrote these notes before the other day when a guy bursts into a synagogue at a, at a, a ceremony for uh, naming of a child and, and shot a number of the Jewish people there. Uh, the people that uh, a guy was uh, trying to find a black church and uh, to kill people and the doors were locked and so he goes into a Kroger's in Kentucky and, and kills a couple of people. Uh, we, we hear this kind of news so frequently that it's easy to dial, dial it out. In fact, I think you almost have to to some degree. On the other hand, to act like there's not some real evil that exists in the world is really naive. One of the biggest lies that, that we were hearing in the 60s was that through education that the world was getting better and better and we were becoming more civilized and we were becoming more uh, culture, you know, enculturated or whatever, culturized, higher class. You find out that there's monsters there. There are, there are people that are, are evil. There are people who do evil purposely. That's why we closely keep our eye on our children. I, that's one thing, if I can influence you as a parent, Keep your eyes on your kids. Well, I'm going to do it till they're 18. Why? I'm going to do it till I'm dead. We're as a unit. We're a security team. And I've got grown kids. I'm going to keep my eye on them. If there's something weird, strange going to happen, we're going to, we're going to keep our eye on it. There are people who monstrously defraud old people of their money. How can we miss the greatest archetype of evil, and that's the adversary Satan, who is a destroyer and a tempter. But even within our culture are lies that can function as destroying monsters to our virtue and our walk with God. Let's look at what the Bible says about dangerous situations that can eat us up. Right before we go there, just let me say this, that when at the fall... We, we know that, that Adam and Eve were created from the dust of the earth, right? And when, when the serpent who Satan operated through was cursed, he said, on your belly, you're going to crawl and you're going to eat the dust of the earth all the days of your life. And let me just say this, that Satan's favorite food are humans. To eat up your life, to destroy your life. And he has, there's Satan, the flesh, and the world. How many of you know there's a whole group that are glad to, to suck your life out? Sometimes systems can be just as nefarious as, like, you know, does Satan go after everybody personally? Maybe not. Maybe the, the world system itself is really geared to take your mind off of God and to cause you to lose your virtue and began to just live for self. I think our culture itself has turned negatively. And we, as believers, are here to uh, turn that around by obedience to the Lord. Uh, first point I want to make was that Paul believed that there were savage wolves at work, even in the midst of believers. 
And we're not talking about, you know, comfort dogs. We're not talking about they had a lot of wolves that were running around Ephesus and other places. These, this was figuratively about evil people in, in the house of the Lord. In Acts chapter 20, verses 26 through 32, from the New King James, um, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. We're going to find out why he felt he was innocent. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. That's why we like to preach the positive aspects of the gospel and the negative aspects of that which we need to shun. How many of you know if you're going to have a battery that works, you have to have your positive and your negative terminal attached? Christianity that works deals with the positive of what we have a great, great father and we have a great, great enemy. Even in Jesus' example prayer, he brings the devil up. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. If Jesus brings up the devil in his prayer life, I think we might be wise to preach, to uh, pray in the same manner, that we, we understand there's an adversary. And, and, and if we don't declare the whole gospel to our kids and our community and the people around us, we may be guilty of the blood of people. Paul was able to say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm innocent of the blood of anybody because I have not shunned to declare the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This congregation and each individual in this house, you are very valuable to God. You were purchased by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus and, and, and our Father and the Trinity are very committed to your safety, very committed that wolves don't come in and hurt you, that your life is not shredded by friendly fire. We need to be a community that takes this overseeing very seriously. The Apostle Paul was gathered with what we would call house pastors, and, and these were people that were leading congregations in their home, and sometimes they'd have a few hundred people meeting in a large house. This is happening now in places like India. Uh, we, we, we go to uh, churches in India that were, where they took the balcony area of, a, of a, a house that one of the pastors would own, and they'd remodel it into a church, and a couple hundred people were being, being uh, uh, shepherded there. And Paul said to these, he said, you guys are called to be overseers. Okay, let me just say this. To be an overseer, you need to see over. You need to be watchful. You need to keep your eyes on your fries or the McBurglar is going to come and eat them. You need to keep your eyes on your walk with God. You need to be alert so that, that when the Holy Spirit begins to warn you, turn away, turn away. You don't shine it on. You don't blow through the, the, the red lights, but you're saying, Lord, I want my safety net intact all around me. And that's what Paul was saying here. He was saying this. He said, you elders, I'm going to be leaving here, but you need to take heed among yourselves and to all the flock among whom uh, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Verse 29, for I know this. That after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. There's just something in my spirit when I hear that. I get my inner, 
It reminds me of when, when I was about 12 years old, I got a, a summer job to water some people's lawn up in Ashland, and they were off doing uh, commercial fishing off the coast. And I remember my younger brother, who's about five years younger than, than myself, so he'd be about seven at the time. And, uh, and so all of a sudden, I see coming down this, this driveway was my brother just scooting, and he's screaming. And I see this dog ready to bite him. And all of a sudden, it's just like, that's my brother. And I just run over there, and I, was, and I kicked as hard as I could, and the dog veered off. Then, of course, you got the adrenaline and just, oh, now you really want to do something. So I slapped my brother and went on. <laughs> no, I didn't. But that's how I feel when I think about God's people being ripped up by savage wolves, by unscrupulous. You know, when you hear that, that, that even people don't come to Jesus because they see unscrupulous people on TV, you know, promising all kinds of fancy things that are supposed to happen if, they, if you would just give your money to them. And you know, there's wolves out there. there. And there are guys on TV that aren't wolves. So I'm not trying to broad stroke everybody. But it should never happen among us. And Paul is saying this. He said here, that savage wolves are going to come in, not sparing the flock. Also from yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, twisted things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Beware of people that want to always cut you out of the mainstay of God's people. And, well, you just need to just hone in on me. You know, I'm, you know, I'm your everything. Uh-uh. No, you're not. None of us are anybody's everything. Together, we're the body of Christ. We need all of the checks and balances. We need apostolic government that speaks into the senior leadership and the eldership. How many of you know that this church has a lot of checks to keep us under in the, in the straight and narrow? Apostolic government, an association of pastors, accountability within the eldership, accountability with pastors in the city. Why? Because only someone who's super boastful does not realize that we all are vulnerable if we don't have holes in our hands. We all receive life from Jesus, but we, we need safety nets so we don't go crazy and do stupid stuff. Perverse men, they seek to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul wasn't the kind of a Hallmark card kind of a guy. He wasn't a crybaby. But these people that had spent three years, many of them had been brought to Christ, either through Paul directly or someone that was being trained by Paul. They knew that Paul was the man. He, was, he and his apostolic team were pouring in the doctrine. And they, they, they could verify if he was telling the truth. He said, for three years, I didn't just come among you and do happy, clappy, slappy. That's not a good church if it's all happy, clappy, slappy. Let's just live really, you know, without any caution because, you know, it's all going to be good. That isn't what the Bible says. The Bible said there are savage wolves. It's doctrines and philosophies. And Paul said that every, every day for three years, I warned you with tears. I think as a parent and as a discipler, you know, some of my most bitter tears are when I see someone that's 
making some really crazy decisions and you, you know where this thing ends. But the good news is what Paul said here. So now, brethren, I commend you to God. <laughs> what a good hand to place everybody in. I'm depositing you in the hand of God. And to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among, those, among all those who are sanctified. This is our goal. Our goal is that nobody gets taken out by a monster. That all, all of us are under the continual reign of the word of God. The word of his grace, which builds us up. To our pretty soon monsters that could have hurt us in the past, we just, I've given you the power, Jesus said in John or Luke chapter 10, to tread on serpents and scorpions. There should be this sound under our feet. Whoa, stay there, you little demon. What's that crunching sound under your feet? Just temptations and stupid stuff. There are monsters that's going to be a little easier, I mean, a little harder than a serpent scorpion. But a lot of times I see people getting taken out by serpents and scorpions. Why? Because they haven't been under the willingness to get the reign of the word of his grace. Unteachable, not listening, not, not spending time with personal devotions. Let me just say this. We are a read your Bible church. Read your Bible. Don't just read commentaries on the Bible. Read your Bible. Once a year at least. Get a macro view. Soak yourself into to being so bibliocentric in your thinking. Then when these weird philosophies fly by, you say, nah, I'm setting that one out. Peter warned of the current generation in Acts 2.40. Peter continued preaching for a long time. Gives me justification. Someone should see how, if you preach like him, you could go a long time. Okay, I get it. Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. If first century Roman slash Jewish environment was crooked, how many of you think that this American warp and woof that's just flowing through here, doctrinal craziness, cultural craziness, we can't even figure out what a boy and a girl is anymore. Kind of like the old saying about a light bulb. How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? Just one, but it's got to want to change. Now in Oregon, you know, you're a boy or a girl depending on what you're willing to be. That's why I'm running into women's bathrooms. Those, you know, places where it's like just a single bathroom and it's got a, a, a skirt there. I just say, I'm a girl. And I go in and keep it clean and go out. And no one glares at me, except Kim. <laughs> Why didn't I use the men's? Because it was already occupied. Okay, that was, let's move on. Don't distract me. We hear the story of Cain early on in Genesis uh, chapter 4. Cain was warned of letting his emotions deceive him into sin. Let me just say this. Even among the Christian community, we've elevated our emotions to almost like divine Holy Spirit guidance. Well, why did you feel like you could go cheat? 
you know, and get immoral at the sports bar. Well, because my husband cheated on me. That's, that's retaliatory sin. Walking in the word of God says you, 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 someone, even if they betray you, that doesn't give you an excuse to let your emotions guide your behavior. And so we see that in the story of Cain that, that, that God himself sees that Cain's countenance was really fallen because his sacrifice was not accepted to God. He didn't bring a sacrifice as per God's desire. Abel did. And so he was all down in the mouth. The Lord said to him, why do you look so dejected? That was a rhetorical question because he didn't give Cain a time to answer or Cain wasn't going to answer. So he fills in the blank. You will be accepted if you do what is right. Isn't that good counsel for raising your kids? Getting along in society, do what's right and it's going to be okay. You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you or consume you. And we know the story. That he invited his brother into a field and he murdered him there. And the mark of Cain, he became a wanderer, rejected from the presence of God. I don't want to be rejected from the presence of God because I let my emotions overwhelm my knowledge of what the Bible says. If he says, thou shalt not steal, that means I don't need to go and steal Walmart's truck, delivery truck, because I thought that they, you know, didn't give me good benefit on my $10 watch. It's good to be all alone up here. There are bewares in the Bible. There are the warnings about certain things that if you do them, they're going to eat your life up. The first one is forgetting God. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Be careful not to forget God who brought you from slavery. You must fear the Lord, serve him. Verse 15, for the Lord your God who lives among you is a jealous God. His anger will flare up against you and he will, and he will wipe you from the face of the earth. One of the little doctrines that I hear floating around is, well, God never does actual evil against people. What are you you, you talking about? Throwing people into hell is a very evil thing to have happen to you. Okay? God says, if you forget me and you just go off and do your thing, I'm going to stalk you and hunt you down. I know it's not PC. Well, I don't want to serve a God like that. Well, that's the only one I'm preaching. I'm just trying to tell you that for me, I want to beware. Don't blow it. Don't quit God. Don't forget him. Keep him in my mind all the time and honor him. Number two, Jesus was a a warner. So we have Peter warned people, Paul warned people, Jesus. In uh, Matthew 7, 15 through 19, he's talking about false prophets. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Sounds like hell to me. What does it tell me? One, don't be a false prophet. (laughs) If you're going to prophesy, be accurate. Number two, don't follow. And here's another thing. The fruit doesn't lie. You want to know where this train goes? You want to know what being on board 
That joy is, I'm probably going to try to influence you to take your kids where I took mine. There's a lot of things that I, I told my kids, don't get started what you can't sustain. Which means sometimes as a parent, you've got to stand alone. My bedside manners from time to time are terrible. I get tired and like mad tired. You ever been mad tired? And anybody that wants to try to talk nice to someone that's mad tired, it's bad. Point them to a cot and leave them alone. And then how about hangry? Angry when you're hungry? Anybody get hangry here? Yeah. That's right. Get them to the buffet. Okay. Bedside manners. I don't, I don't claim to have the bed, best my bedside manners, but I want to tell you what. You want to rate me? Go look at my kids. Go look at my sons in the Lord. That's, that, that's the writing. Somehow through my nature and explosiveness and tea, a tempest in a teapot, I'm one of these guys like, ah! Then we resolve, like, okay, let's go eat. Let's have fun. Well, you know, brother no fruit down the street, you know, he's just so sweet and everybody really loves him and people, people don't always love you. I don't care. Brother no fruits, kids, none of them are walking with God. Four out of my, 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 my children decided to go into full-time ministry. Can you defend yourself? No, I can't defend myself any more than President Trump can defend what he does and says. He makes me look good. But I can tell you this, the fruit doesn't lie. That's what you need to do, is before you get somebody's slick package and them selling themselves, go behind them. Find out, is their wife happy? If the wife is looking like she's just medicated because this guy is such a pretender, you get around my wife, you're going to find out she's a happy wife. She controls me totally, so no wonder she's happy. Not at all. She's so sweet. Jesus warned against false prophets. He warned against greed. He warned, that Paul warned against bickering and fighting. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Let me just say this. I believe in honest resolution desired conflict. It's great when, when, when brothers are working things out. I, I think some conflict is really, really healthy. Let's work it out. Let's, let's, let's make this organization, organization better. It's only better if there's a little bit of sparks and, we, and some people can share some contrary things. And at first we're like, no, you're crazy. And then later I'm going to go, no, you're not crazy. We all were. You actually had the right idea. And right before we killed you, we thought it. And now we're going to do what you said. How you know that, that, that works in a marriage, that works in a, in a corporation, it works in a church. Don't just try to have everybody just play mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? It's you. No, let's have honest assessment. So, but to go to the point of bickering and fighting devours. Don't want to have that. Don't, don't get married in order to bicker and fight. Take up MMA or something. Okay. Fifth one is philosophy and empty deceit. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Second, or Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. There are philosophies that are truthish, but they're not true. 
Just because something sounds Christian, like, hey, don't get discouraged, keep your chin up. That, that's truthish, it's not Bible. Huh? It's always darkest before the dawn. I don't know, I think some guy that was selling nightlights made that up. I like it, but it's not, it's not in the Bible. Hello? Let's make sure that, that rather than being a, a, a whole repository of truthish, positive statements, we have actually are loaded up with Scripture. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but I shall meditate therein day and night that I may observe to do according to all that's written therein, and then I shall make my way prosperous, and I shall have good success. No enemy that shall stand before me all the days of my life shall stand. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. How many of you know that men and women of God that are strong and they win lots of battles, they've got word in them, not truthish cliches. Hey, stay fired up. You're fired up, brother. You're fired up. We can yell about being fired up or we can get the word in us and still be fired up. Uh, number six, an evil heart of unbelief. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The number one deceiving properties of sin is that the world doesn't crash on you when you first start. It just seemed like it's so innocuous. So, you know, a little bit of glimpse at porno here. And, 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 and kids are being sucked in by the hundreds of thousands in America. Many of these young men and women are getting sucked into pornography. They're finding out there's a certain part of brain development. They don't even have an off button yet. Wow. Talk about a neat sheep-eating creation. And yet I fight with Christian parents all the time that are trying to get their 10, 11, 12-year-old kids phones. And I'm saying, why? Well, so they can call me for the mall. Oh, really? Why don't you get your husband a, a, a phone so when he, he can call you from the topless bar? The kids should not be running alone in the mall. It's, it's an absolute showcase of worldly things. Go to our mall and look at the naked shots of the Victoria's Secret girls down on the bottom floor. I want to tell you something. Going to the mall should be seek and acquire. Know kind of what you want. Get in and get out and don't hang around. And certainly you don't need a phone so your kid can hang around and maybe get picked up by somebody. Let me just say this. We hear the tragic stories and we think it can never be my child. Why not? Keep your eyes on your fries. And so, we, so sin will deceive you because it doesn't start in full bloom. You don't have a few drinks and then suddenly, like in, a, in, a, in an afternoon, become a full-blown alcoholic lying under the bridge. But let me tell you something. That siren's call and that temptation pulls you in and pulls you in until you're swamped. And then a lot of the people that partied with you on the way are not there to help pull you out of the ditch or even know how to do it. God does. But I don't want to have an evil heart of unbelief in, 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 in departing from the Lord. I never had anybody tell me that they want to lower their standards, but they're going to up their prayer. 
It's always they lower the, the standards, they lower the prayer, and they go on until they get seduced away. This can eat you alive. Number seven, immorality. I'm not even going to go into it. We all know. Immorality is a killer. The man that commits adultery puts fire in his bosom. I don't want it for anybody. Number eight, defrauding God financially. The Bible said that if we defraud the Lord and don't bring him in the tithe, that the devourer begins to work on, on our stuff. Some folk just can't seem to break through any breakthrough financially and they get prayer. Well, why? Because, see, the devourer has free reign. I said this to last service, that I can prove every person at joy, every one of you that call this your church home, every one of you are tithing fully. Some of you are saying, well, no, I don't think I am. Oh, yeah, you are. You're either tithing to God or you're, or you're giving that income to the devil. But you're being gnawed on. You're being gnawed on. You're being chewed on because, see, you... And when the Bible talks about the windows of heaven being open, it doesn't just say exclusively for the return of money. I think there's a whole lot of other things that my financial giving has opened up blessings on my children. My children are good with money. They know how to, they know how to uh, negotiate deals. They know how to be wise, and they're, they're not foolish with their money. I think that's part of the benefit package that for Kim and I that we always said, no, 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 no. Now, we don't even negotiate the tithe. What we negotiate is the offerings. What are we going to do above the 10% that we give to the church we go to? That's just the Lord's money. That's opener to play in this poker game. Because everyone's going to tithe anyway. And all of a sudden, you start finding out it's, you're, you're, you're giving it to doctors for diseases and problems. And you're giving it for this and that. And your appliances are always the first one in the neighborhood to break. Why? Because the devourer has been working on you, and you're not, you're not beware, being aware of that. Uh, moving towards a conclusion, out of these eight things that I was talking about, beware of certain things, only one of them was really about bad, bad people, and that were the false prophets. Most of the monsters that devour us come from within. Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23, Jesus said, and then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Let me just say it this way. We have engaged the enemy and discovered it was we. It really is me needing to manage by the Holy Spirit those monsters that I have. Those monsters that are out there. So how do we deal with monsters? These are great uh, are great points that I'm going to give you very quickly, and I hope that you understand that they work with natural monsters and they work with spiritual monsters. Number one, acknowledge that they exist, both naturally and spiritually. I, I wanted my kids to feel like at the Schmelzer house, at, at, at our house, I wanted everybody to know that you come on my property and I will be the meanest beast that could ever appear there. 
I am there to defend the purity of my house and the safety of my house. And then Kim was there to enforce that everybody ate a lot and, and were happy. And so, so our house was to be heaven because when we leave our property, we're moving across hostile territory. You say, you're talking about Medford? I'm not just talking about Medford. Did you know that most cars will go out of Medford and they'll go to Portland, they'll go to Seattle, they'll go to uh, Salt Lake. They can go a lot of places and we all travel. And when you leave your house, you're, you're, you are facing unknowns on the road. You're facing unknowns in the society. So at least acknowledge that they exist. There's bad People, and there's bad ways to think. There's bad ways to behave. Number two, stay with a responsible adult. <laughs> stay close to your parents. Stay close to your spiritual leaders. Stay with Jesus. There's a real anti-church kind of a spirit that's, that's, that's going there that says that basically all you need to do is YouTube, great preachings, and you can be your own pastor. The problem with all of this is that a lot of what's written in the Greek, it basically is speaking text in and it's saying, when you all get together, how is it when you all get together that every one of you has a psalm tongue hymn? You cannot be a congregation by yourself. My doctor and I have a saying. He says, I can't be my own pastor. And I tell him, I can't be my own doctor. I tried, and I've got nine toes to prove it. Yet so many people feel that they are qualified all on their own without apostolic government, without people around them, without any connection. Well, I, I know what's right and I know what's wrong. Maybe you do. But do you know the, the nuances of what it is to be seduced by slightly false doctrine? That, that a spiritual leader in your life would pick up in a heartbeat, but, you, but you, you go down the primrose path. So just as we want kids, stay, stay with mom and dad. Stay here. Yeah, but mom, it's Magic Mountain. Mom, it's, uh, it's uh, Disneyland. It's the happiest place on the earth. I know it's the happiest place, especially if you stay with me, because it's going to be very unhappy if you wander off. How do you know if you watch your kids, theme parks are, are great. The same way, spiritually. Stay with the responsible parent. Number three, stay in the group. Don't wander off from the pack. There's strength in numbers. When, when I'm discouraged, I've got different elders right within the church and, 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 and even lay people. I'm not hierarchical. If I'm going through something and we're talking and I might just unburden my heart to you because you love God. And you, and that, that moment might be so objective where I'm totally subjective. I'm overrun and crazy thinking. And if you just pray with me and talk with me, it'll be good. Yeah. Stay in a group. Don't, don't, don't run away. You're having marriage trouble. So every, everybody but the people that are actually in the world with you and your husband, you're going to seek counsel from them. No. Stay in the group. Number four, obey the rules. They're there to protect you and not destroy you. Number four, if a monster can be destroyed, destroy it. Knock it out for good. If, 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 if eating dope was something that the Lord told you don't do, then that means medical marijuana too. 
Don't leave your back door open. Well, you know, I'm not doing the heavy drugs anymore, but, you know, I toke a little bit because, you know, I got a little back pain and I got this and that. This is a signal that time's up. Okay. If you're going to leave it, leave it all the way. If God's delivered you from alcohol, pour it all out. And you just leave it away. Thank you. Thank you, Gino. I heard that. Okay. If a man, the monster can't be destroyed, then at least avoid it. We, we, we can't avoid the whole culture, meaning we can't kill the whole culture. America is so negative, we just need to wipe out the whole nation. No, we don't. We need Jesus to change the nation. But while he's changing the nation, we avoid getting caught up into Americanism and truthishism, and we stay as kingdom people. Then finally, be vigilant always. Stay alert naturally and spiritually. Last verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The, temptation in your, uh, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out of it so that you can endure. Hallelujah. I want, I want to just repeat these without, without commentary. And I want you to do an inventory check. If you have these things working in your life, do you acknowledge there are monsters in the world? Number two, do you have a responsible adult in your life? Well, I'm grown and no one's going to tell me anything. Now, do you have a responsible adult in your life? So you don't just do independent things. Number three, has God planted you in a group? If he hasn't, he wants to. Group is life. Number four, obey the rules. God's rules are there. They're the same. Something happened when I got saved and I don't think it's changed one bit. Those men and women that brought me into Jesus, they believe this, the blood of Jesus would take, take away the sin of the world and take away mine. Number two, when Jesus would come in my life, I was to become a new person and the rest of my life, I was to stay in that faith. I think that is so true still. It's still how I live my life. Jesus is my only hope in this universe. He's my only hope for eternal life. Number two, if he takes away my sin, I'm to say, adios, you're a bad date, we're through. And never go back. Never go back and stay in the faith and then look out for others. So we as a group, we can stand together. And when we see people that are beat up and bloody from the world, we can say, I love you and have compassion. Number five, if a monster can be destroyed, destroy it. Am I actively with vengeance taking the enemy out? Ugh! You thought you were going to get me, devil. Ugh! I'm coming back like Bruce Willis in Die Hard 1, 2, and 17. You know, number six, if a monster can't be destroyed, then avoid it. 
Don't watch inappropriate stuff. Don't, don't say I'm an adult and I just filter out bad, bad stuff. No, you don't. And then always be vigilant. Because what you're going through is what everybody else is going through. You're not so special. You're just going through standard things. Betrayal, abandonment, loneliness, temptation. Tell me your story and I can, I can tell other people's story that have been the same place you've been at. Let's all stand together if we could. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Week after week, people come here and they're looking for change in their life. Sometimes people have a sense of impending doom. And I just want to reinforce that. That's not, that's not paranoia. That without God, there is impending doom. Both God and Satan think this is the end time. Both God and Satan believe that this battle is ratcheting up and it's for the souls of men and women. And if you're here and you have not joined God, Father God wants you in the family. And that's what, in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not experience the impending doom but have everlasting life. If I could just grab you and just pull you into the kingdom, I'd do it. But I'd be doing county time. And so I have to appeal to your heart, to your mind. That part of you, that child part that says, I need my father. I need Father God. I need new life. Right now, if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to talk to you that came in here and you, you've been experiencing that thought like, gosh, I've, I've got to get it together. I, I need God. I need a change. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, I want to join God. I, I don't have anything to give that I can think of. I just want to be one of his kids and I want to receive his forgiveness and I, I want my life to change and not be just fully consumed by the monsters that are out there. If that's you today, proudly wave your hand. We're going to pray with you to receive Jesus. This is a great day. I see a hand in the back. Okay, come on, help me. Is there any others? Hallelujah. I see another hand. Hallelujah. Come on now. I think this is a great day. I see another hand in the back. Man, this is a great day to join God. It's a great day. And what you have to do is you have to just put your faith on him. He, he already made the payment. I see another hand. Hallelujah. People are lifting their hands to the Lord. They want to put their trust in Jesus Christ. Four or five so far right now. Everyone, would we pray this prayer, we call it the sinner's prayer. And what it is, it's just saying, God, would you receive me? I receive you. And the Bible said, if you call on his name, he will save you. If you call on his name, you'll not be ashamed. Hallelujah. Let's pray this, okay, Christians and, and, and new believers. Let's pray this together. Dear Father, I thank you that as a loving God, you have made a way of escape from all the monsters of the world and the system of the world and the destruction of the world. I'm here today, God, because I feel your call. I need you, Father. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Holy Spirit. You know me. 
You know my good. You know my bad. And I'm ashamed of the things that I've done to hurt you. I'm also brought into shame by the consequences. But I'm here today, Lord, because you said that if I'd call on your name, I'd be saved. I want to be a part of your family. I want to be a brand new person. You also said, if I'd call on your name, I would not be ashamed. Take away my shame. Change my heart. Change my mind. Make me new on the inside. If you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you today, dear Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Just before we leave, sometimes when I pray, I visualize lifting my hands and having God just hug me, just hug me. And I feel that for you today. I just feel like we need to lift our hands and let God, let your dad just love you. Let him hug you. He knows the battle you're in. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. Could you just say this, Father, help me. Father, help me to walk in your way. Thank you that you give me warnings, that you give me ways of escape. Help me, Lord, to stay in the pack, to obey the rules, to understand there are monsters and all these things. Come, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, separate me from the world for holy use. I pray, dear Father, in Jesus' name, Amen.